the thing that always really freaks me out about this, because I don't think I really registered in my brain what was happening at the time, was that she had just black hollows instead of eyes. Today, we have the host from one of my all-time favorite podcasts with over 3,000 five-star reviews on Apple and Spotify, featured in BuzzFeed, Podcast Magazine, and People's Choice nominee at the Podcast Awards. It's a real honor to welcome Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories. Hi, you've actually made me blush. (laughs) Hi, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. Um, So yeah, you've clearly done some really, really awesome stuff since you started back in 2018. So what made you start a podcast about the paranormal in the first place? Well, part of it was because I'm really competitive. Um, And a part of it was because I needed something creative to do. So back in 2018, I was in the middle of doing a doctorate. And usually I do theatre. That's that's my other thing. But when I was doing my doctorate, I couldn't do theatre because it was just too time consuming and it would mean that I'd be rehearsing like three, four times a week, as well as working full time, as well as, you know, trying to do a doctorate. So I was like, what else can I do that's creative? And I had just started listening to podcasts. I was really slow on the whole podcast thing. And I started listening to podcasts and I was like, I can do that. I could, I could definitely do that. Um, And I think the paranormal was just, it was something that I was really interested in. I'm not that much of a believer Uh, But I love ghost stories. I think they're really fascinating, like psychologically. I think they tell us a lot about society and I just love them. And I knew there was I knew there was longevity in a paranormal podcast. And like kind of we were talking about earlier, like there was a point where I when I got into podcasts, one of the first things I looked up was paranormal podcasts. And I was like, oh, these are really interesting and fun. I can I can do this, too. So that was it, really. When you first started your podcast series, did you find it a challenge um, for your first episode or did it sort of something that just sort of come naturally to you? I think really we sort of learned as we went. I I listened to other paranormal podcasts and I knew what I didn't want to do. And I think that's how I started. I sort of worked backwards. I was like, what I if I'm listening to a paranormal podcast, I don't want to hear these things actually this is what I'd like to hear and I worked from there and for the first episode I think we just sort of talked about I I had a pretty significant paranormal experience quite a while quite a long time ago now like every time I talk about this I realize how much older I'm getting but when I was 17 maybe maybe I was a bit older but anyway I I had a, a really significant paranormal experience and I kind of knew that um that would be a kind of a good basis for a first episode. And I thought, well, you know, if this works out as an off the cuff first episode, let's see where we go from there. And uh, yeah, that's how it all started, really. It's funny that you said at the beginning that you're, you know, you're not really much of a believer. You're more of a skeptic, but, you know, you've had some kind of paranormal experience, which we'd love to hear more about later in the show. But it's funny that we've we've had quite a few people on this podcast so far and they've all said similar things they're pretty much a skeptic they don't believe but they've had these really weird things happen to them that they just cannot explain and again going back to what you said about longevity in paranormal podcasts you know ghost stories have been around forever you know everyone knows somebody that's either had an experience or you know seen a ghost or whatever so yeah it's uh it's definitely an exciting field to be in and it's absolutely fascinating whether you believe it or not, because you can't deny the millions and millions of people throughout history that have had experiences. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's such a human phenomenon to go, no, 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 no. I don't I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in anything like that. But this one time, and that's how I have the same thing. I do it like when I interview people all the time, when I meet people and they ask me what I do, generally people will go, you tell ghost stories for a living. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I do. And they are. Oh, and then <laughs> universally people will go. So uh, when I was about, you know, 20, this happened to me. And I'm like, ah, so not a believer. OK, I see. <laughs> I actually had one guy 
um, I was at a wedding recently and he's he's the first person that I said, oh, you know, everyone knows somebody with it. He's a podcaster as well, but in like the sporty kind of field. And um, yeah, he's, he's, I said the same, oh, everyone knows somebody with a ghost story. And he was like, I don't. I was like, what? <laughs> it's the only person out there who just doesn't have a story. Yeah. <laughs> everyone we know. Everyone we all know. But I love a good story. Maybe he'd be far more interesting to interview. How did you get to this stage of your life and not meet anybody who has a ghost story? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do find it fascinating. Like whether whether it is something that's paranormal, supernatural that we don't know about, or whether it's something in our brain, a trick in our mind, whatever it is, it is just really, really a fascinating uh, thing to look into. Yeah. Um, so yeah your your podcast isn't just about ghosts is it right no there's slightly more to it so i'm a cryptid girly through and through i i bloody love a cryptid like the majority of the stories that i tell so on a sunday i do like a deep dive into a famous paranormal case or claim and then on a wednesday and a friday i do listeners episodes where listeners have sent in their stories but honestly one of my favorite things to talk about is cryptids so every so often i just sort of shove in a little cryptid story and a lot of people are like we're not here for cryptids and i'm like well you'll like it because i love it so i do cryptid stories every so often and sometimes i do the odd ufo stories i'm not a massive fan of them but i do them every so often but yeah so it's not just ghosts there's a bit of everything I'm fascinated in the sort of like the cryptids as well. I remember when I was really little um, finding a book in uh, mum's cabinet all about these different stories. I can't, I don't know if she's still got the book, but um, I remember all these different stories from around the world or all these different encounters. And I remember hearing, uh, reading this one about, um, it was about a Bigfoot who attacked two hunters and it killed one of them and snapped its neck and then the other one like shot out and run off but i remember doing like <laughs> i must have been about eight years old and i did a school like um report on this story and uh, my teachers were a little bit worried like uh, he's got a very active imagination uh, oh i got it from the book but yeah that's something that's always fan uh, like uh fascinated me as well like you know i suppose it's more of an urban legend in the uk but like you know you've got the, the fen tiger and you know, apparently there's all the old um, what's it, panthers that are, mm. are meant to like roam around the the English countryside. Not ever seen anything, but it it's still just it's. I find it fascinating. Who knows, really? Yeah, the alien big cats, isn't it? The ABCs, and there's so many people who dedicate their lives to like tracking all these different sightings. I think there was one pretty recently where a guy took a photo that wasn't like a, a pixelated blur, and it I I. It looks like a, some sort of panther to me. Like it was a close up of this or like a zoomed in shot of this animal and its face is like, that's not a cat, a, a domestic cat. That's just bigger. That looks like yeah. some sort of panther. And I, I, you know, I'd love them to be, to be exist. I'd love for somebody to come out with definitive proof and say, yes, they are roaming around the English countryside. I'd love it. <laughs> I, I think I saw the same thing recently with the cat, the picture. And uh, yeah, that's, that's no house cat. Um, so we we have a really uh, exciting guest coming on the podcast. Um, he's got some books out about uh, Bigfoot. It's William Sheehan. He's coming on in a few weeks. And um, I'm not sure if you've read any of his books, being into cryptids and stuff. What are the books called again, Nigel? Um, the, well, Bigfoot, Terror in the Woods. Yeah, I started reading them. Um, I just thought, like, as again, I love anything about like uh, Sasquatch or Bigfoot. And uh, yeah, I just come across him on on like a guest on someone's podcast, and then he's like, "Oh, he's got books." So I bought a few of his books and just like uh, reading them with like my dad because he's all interested in that as well, and just like reading through some of the stories. And it's just like I don't know if it is true or if if someone is making it up, but it it just sounds like absolutely fascinating to me. Not that I want to meet anything like that, like visually face to face. I think I would just like you know die on the spot, but. Um, yeah, I, I just, there's something about it. I think it's the, I suppose it's a bit of like fantasy type thing. But yeah, it just sort of like sparks something in my in my uh, imagination. So I've got a question for you guys. Um, aside from Bigfoot, because Bigfoot is obviously the godfather of cryptids. If a cryptid was proven to be real, what cryptid would you like it to be and why? That's a good one. Um, I think personally I'd go for the skinwalker ranch skin crawler 
why would I like it to be real? Just because there's been so many accounts and, you know, I'm not much of a cryptid person. I don't really look into it that much, but I've seen and heard a lot about um, Skinwalker Ranch and everything. And I, I just find it really interesting. So whether that's, you know, UFOs or whether it's bullshit, who knows? <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to go for him. What about you, Nigel? Um, I'll probably go for um, Mothman. And I'm, I'm not really sure why, because like a part of me is like, is it an actual cryptid or is it, you know, some billionaire who's made this suit and uh, <laughs> it's just playing the wildest trick on people. But I'd kind of like that to be sort of like a real um because again, it'd be terrifying, but um, yeah, as long as it's not near me. <laughs> so I, I do it. I do stuff on Patreon where every so often I find the best of the worst cryptid erotica on Amazon and <laughs> I read it. And there's a lot of cryptid erotica out there just, just to let people know. Really? Oh, oh there is a lot. <laughs> and once you start looking, your recommendations become all sorts of weird. But I am um, and one of them that I found was called Mated to Mothman. And um let's just say it was interesting. So if anybody out there listening is into cryptid erotica, no judgment, but there is loads out there to be found. <laughs> I think you're going to have a secret new hobby, Nige. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like your kind of thing. Oh, yeah, cryptic erotica. <laughs> Naughty elf things, all sorts. Um, I found one. I was doing another podcast interview, which uh, in hindsight, they were both children's authors. So I don't feel like it was the appropriate time to bring it up. <laughs> but sometimes I don't really think these things through. And I was doing this interview and I they were talking about like, what's the weirdest thing in your like browsing history? And I was like, oh yeah, like cryptid erotica. And I found this. <laughs> and I was like, I found, <laughs> I found this book that was all about um somebody having sex with jackalopes, which are like an American folklore, which is a hare with antlers. And I found this erotica that was all about people having sex with jackalopes. And then afterwards I was like, oh, they were children's authors. Oh, they, oh that might not have been the right thing to say but it, it's out there i didn't write it it's out there <laughs> they did ask the question though didn't they <laughs> <laughs> they did ask the question some people are weird aren't they out there yeah what was it called jackalopes yeah what's your fascination with cryptids i just feel like at some point it wouldn't massively surprise me if they found the loch ness monster do you know what i mean and I'd be really happy if they did. I think when I was a kid, cryptids didn't scare me the way that ghost stories did. And I felt like, well, there's so many places in the world that are unexplored. Maybe there is Bigfoot out there. Maybe there is Mothman. And, you know, there's some of them that I'm less inclined to believe. Um, Actually, admittedly, Bigfoot being one of them. I want Bigfoot to be real, but I really, I really don't think that he is. Um. But I, I think there's a there's a tangibility to cryptids that I like, except when you get into the kind of the more mad end of cryptids where it's like the van meter visitor where it has, you know, wings and shoots lasers out of its forehead and stuff. Then then it gets a bit like, well, I don't know if I can <laughs> if I can hold on to this one. But other ones like Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster and stuff, there's a tangibility that I like. To be honest, I think at this stage, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if a cryptid or an alien popped out of joe biden or or any any politician at this point <laughs> yeah like surprise we're here like that uh, thing in uh, men in black yeah, where... moving the controls yeah. this little tiny <laughs> the little man creature. living inside his head <laughs> your ghost stories your ghost stories so emma what was the very first thing that happened in your life that made you believe there could be maybe some form of afterlife or there could be something supernatural about the world? Or I'm really sorry if anybody has ever listened to me talk on anything before because I tell this story all the time and I guarantee you people are sick of hearing it. But I, I you know, I was, I was a spooky gal when I was a kid. Like I was fascinated by all those kind of books about like cryptids and ghosts and whatever. But I wasn't necessarily a big believer in anything. Um, and I, I still am kind of not which is admittedly. But when I was like 17, I started working in uh, what used to be this huge lunatic asylum 
in um, Leash, which is where I'm from in Ireland. And it was called Maryborough Lunatic Asylum. And it wasn't called that when I worked there. They also no longer refer to it as an asylum. But I use that word to give context for how long it was there. Like it was built in the 1800s. You know, it housed a lot of patients over the years and, and probably wasn't a very nice place for a very long time. Um, because people didn't really know how to manage mental illness for a really long time. And when I worked there, it was the part that I, it was still a functioning psychiatric hospital, but it, oh, there was also a um, residential home for adults with intellectual disabilities, which is where I worked. And before I started working there, and this isn't actually that long ago, so I'm 33 now and I was 17 when I started working there, but not long before I started working there, they had had like an exorcism mass in the building and they got a priest in who was kind of um, sympathetic towards that kind of thing and they had gotten this priest to say this exorcism mass and the reason was that at night time people kept hearing things and some people were seeing things um so for example the the hospital was split into three floors and at night time the top floor was always empty there was nobody on the top floor and because of the nature of some of the clients that were housed there, all of the doors had to be locked behind. It was just one of those facilities. And um, so the top floor was always empty, but night staff would report hearing uh, people running up and down on the top floor or they would um, set the table for breakfast the next morning and come up the next morning and everything would be all over the floor or furniture would be heard being like dragged around upstairs. Kind of usual, usual spooky shit. And um, I remember like having this conversation one day with two male nurses um, who had worked there. One of them had worked there for a really long time and one of them had been there for kind of as long as I had. And they were talking about one night they were working the night shift and they heard all of this running around upstairs and they were thinking, right, we have to go check. Like if somebody's broken in, it could be a danger to the clients, could be a danger to us. We're going to, we're going to brave it. We're going to go, we're going to check. So they went off upstairs feeling very brave. And obviously there was, there was nobody on the top floor. And in on the top floor, there was like a breaker panel that had all of the light switches. And one of the nurses was standing next to the breaker panel. And he said he watched as each switch flicked off and the lights went off closer and closer to them. And by that point, both of them just looked at each other and went, yeah, no, we're we're not doing we're le- no no we're not doing this. We're not going to check anymore tonight. But anyway, so they got the priest in to do this exorcism mass, and it seemed to have helped things. Now I used to work on that top floor on my own all of the time, and it never never really bothered me. I'd be there like really like first thing in the morning when it was still dark, and it was fine. And I'd probably be there in the evenings when it was dark, and it was fine. Never really bothered me, but it was a very strange building because it was huge and it was sprawling and there were parts of it that just gave me the heebie-jeebies like I just can't even describe to you how freaky it was like one day the fire alarm went off and on the panel it would tell you where where the alarm had been tripped or where the fire was and the fire alarm went off and it was like in the basement and I was like where's the basement I didn't even know there was one I mean it makes sense that there is one So I ended up going into this basement with other members of staff and it was this huge cavernous basement and there were all these like bolts on the walls and I was like, were, were, what happened down here? Why are there all these like big bolts on the walls? Did they? And the nurse that was with me was like, I think it's best that we don't dwell on this and we just, there's no fire, we just leave. And I was like, yes, let's do that. Anyway, God, I am just, I'm making this Building the really suspense, I like it. Um, <laughs> I know, I'm just dragging it out. Uh, so <laughs> when I worked there, um, I didn't actually, I worked there for five years and like other than kind of feeling generally spooked in various parts of the buildings, like nothing really happened to me and um, and it was fine. Like there were various strange things that happened to other people. There were rooms that patients would like just continuously refuse to be in different patients and there were some patients that would say that people came into the room at night time all this really strange stuff and there was one day and it was I always remember it was a bank holiday Monday and it was after snowing really heavily 
And I uh, was on my morning break and it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and I had snuck out for a cigarette with one of the other girls. So I w- we were like standing in an alleyway trying to smoke this cigarette without getting caught. And uh, in front of me was a building that's now called the Child and Family Building. Actually, I don't know if it is anymore, but at that time it was called the Child and Family Building. It was basically like now used for admin. There was no patients in that building and it was used for admin and for people to come and like register their children, all that kind of stuff. And I looked up and on the third floor of the building, there was a woman staring back at me. And she was, I know she was young. And she was deathly pale and she had like a white dress on her and she had long, dark hair. And the thing that always really freaks me out about this, because I don't think I really registered in my brain what was happening at the time, was that she had just black hollows instead of eyes. Fuck that. And I remember that feeling of like that sick swooping feeling. And I I, I didn't really register. I wasn't like, oh, my God, I've seen a ghost, like whatever. I just stayed smoking my cigarette and was like, what the fuck? And she like drifted away from the window. Oh, and I can still see her in my brain. And every time I think about it, like it makes my eyes well up with tears. Like it just was so bizarre. And then about 30 seconds later, the girl that was smoking a cigarette with me, she just took off and she ran towards the door and she was trying to get her keys out of her pocket to open, to unlock the door to get in. And I was going, what is it? What's wrong? And she turned to me and she went, did you not just see that girl? Did you see that girl in the window? And I was like, yes. Actually, I did see that girl. So trying to be kind of rational and level headed, I said, right, well, here's the thing. If there is a girl in that building, like there can't be because that's really dangerous. And we need to tell somebody that there's somebody either locked in the building or somebody's broken into the building, whichever one it is. So I went and I got security and I said, hey, we're after seeing somebody in child and family. And the security guard was like, no, 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 that's not possible. And I was like, no, no, genuinely, I literally just saw a woman in the window. She was looking at me. I was looking at her. She was real. I saw this woman. So can you please go and check it out? And we went to the building to get in and all the building doors, external doors were code locked. So you couldn't um, for the admin buildings because they had been kind of done up nicer. They were code locked and you had to put in a code to get through the door. And if nobody was in the building, the alarms would be going off. So he... Went and checked. All the code locks were on. There was nobody in the building and all the alarms were set and none of the alarms had tripped. And he was like, oh, you must have been like imagining things or you must have seen you must have seen something and thought it was a woman. I was like, no, it was it was definitely a woman. Like I definitely saw her anyway. Really freaked me out. I was only I was only working a four hour shift. So I went home at like 12 and I was like, that is the weirdest thing that's happened. What the heck? Anyway, about a year later, I was in working on the ward again and uh, the nurses were all having this conversation about like weird things that had happened in their lives as happens you know people get on to ghost stories and whatever and somebody turned around to me and went oh Emma tell that story about the time you saw the woman in child and family so I told my story and one of the nurses looked at me and rolled up his sleeve and his whole arm was out in goosebumps and his hair was all standing on end and I was like god it wasn't that scary like (laughs) calm yourself and he turned around to me and he went I see her all the time and I was like sorry and he used to work the night shift and when you're working the night shift you were sort of in this glass office in the dormitory like a nurse's station and all the patients would be asleep in the dormitory and he worked on the female ward and he said that numerous times he had been on the night shift and seen like the flash of a woman in a white dress run past the nurse's station and the first, you know, couple of times he went and checked and obviously it was nobody and all the patients were accounted for. And he'd be like, I definitely just saw a woman. And then he said, eventually he just stopped checking because he was like, this isn't real. Like, this isn't a real woman and I don't know what to do about it. And I think it profoundly impacted my attitude, at least towards the paranormal. Now that is a ghost story. Yeah. Sorry, I realised I just went on. I just went on a monologue there. It was nice. I, I like the, the roller coaster ride of emotions, like where it took us. That's a story. <laughs> As you can see, you're a great storyteller. Um, fantastic story. Yeah. Really. Yeah, the, the detail about the eyes. Um, I mean, 
it, if I saw someone and they just had black holes where their eyes should be, I don't know. Yeah, what's going on with your pits, eyes? Pit in the stomach uh, feeling of like, that's evil. That's not right. Something's yeah. not right there. Where's your eyes? <laughs> it just had to be a fucking lunatic asylum as well, didn't it? If you could imagine the creepiest place you'd ever want to go at nighttime, it'd be it'd be a lunatic, lunatic asylum, I reckon. I don't think I told you a story happened to me. Um, it must have been about four weeks ago now. That, um, while you was telling that story, um, it reminded me. So in my day-to-day job, um, I sort of, uh, I'm an electrician, but it's not the standard sort of electrician. We deal with like um, the management of the building, heating-wise. And anyway, so my my um, was working in um, a council office. Um, I won't say where, but it was working in a council office in a really old building. And my boss tells me to go find the internal sensor. So... I was like, okay, yep. Yeah. So I'm going around to try and find this internal sensor to replace, uh, replace it. And this is around about five o'clock. Um, so there's only the cleaners um, like in the buildings and there's like everything's locked. Um, you need like uh, pin codes to get in. And um, so I found a cleaner and she was really jumpy. Like, um, as I said, I didn't jump, like make a jump or anything. She said, hello. She just jumped out of her skin. I was told her what I needed to do and I need to find a sensor. And I noticed there was a, like, um, a basement and I said, can I, uh, can I look in the basement? Um, just because I don't know what's in there and it's got like this, uh, locked door. She goes, yeah, okay. Took me to, um, the basement. She put the key code in and she goes, right. And she looked me dead in the face, really serious. And she, she opened the door, she got a fire extinguisher, put it in front of it and it was a blast door and she put it down. She goes, when I come down here, um, you should come with um, my colleague and we always come down here in twos. We clean this place as quick as we can and can get out. I was like, what? She goes, and we must not let this door close behind us because, you know, I don't want to be trapped down here. And I was thinking, what? And it was a proper, like, sort of blast door. And we're sort of walking through um, the, the, like, complex. And there's all these different side rooms off to left and right with, um, like, bunk beds set up um in the main um area bit was set up like a living room but then there was just like a load of like maps and all that strewn across the floor and she said this um during the era of the cold war this uh bunker was built to protect the local councillor and um the doctor and a few important people just in case there was a nuclear um attack or something but honestly i probably because we were underground it felt so unnatural and i don't know if it was like her making me feel a bit on edge but she was always like looking looking around really quickly and she was like showing me through some of the rooms and then she's like I don't know what's in that door Uh, and you can open it if you want but I'm not sure and and I'm just standing I'm like yeah I I don't think this thing that I'm looking for is going to be down here Um, I was like you know we can we can go out now if you want she's like okay and I tried uh, getting out of her and I was like um there's something really weird happened down here and she goes we don't like it we don't like it in here she's like we're getting out now and it was just a really weird sort of like vibe that she was um, like giving me. I was like, clearly something has happened in this building with these two cleaners. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had no chance of me ever going back there to try and get a story out of them. But something happened. It was weird. You should have got it out of her and got her on the got her on the podcast. Uh, it, yeah, it's something something about these um, underground places. So going back to your story, Emma, it's really um, fascinating to hear about the the things on the walls. Did you ever look into that or did you ever find out about what that was or? Um I'm right, I'm going to I'm trying to think of a way to say this diplomatically. Um patients historically in that building like and this is a fact this isn't like speculation weren't treated in a way that would be considered okay today. So I I while I didn't like go and try and look into it, I don't I didn't feel like I needed to. Do you know that? You know what I'm trying to say? It, yeah, there were, yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> they said enough without uh, saying yeah. nothing at all, as Ronan Keating once said. A uh, scholar and a philosopher, Ronan Keating is. Talking about the um, the things down in the basement on the walls. I, I don't think we need to uh, find out what happened down there. Because, yeah, like you said, a lot of stuff happened back in the day which is kind of sad and not nice to think about what happened to people in these places. Yeah, most definitely. And I just, you know, my mum used to work with a woman. So my mum 
was a nurse and worked in the same um worked in that building and she used to work with a woman who would say that of all places that was a place where there was just sadness in the walls and you could feel it all of the time and it always stuck with me that she said that because it was it was you know it was so true it was a really really sad place for lots of different reasons and pretty terrifying when you're 17 years old and you're wandering around this giant creepy asylum in the dark that's a very poetic way to say it sadness in the walls I I like that I wish I'd come up with it but I didn't yeah (laughs) makes me want to put it in a song this might be a difficult question for you but in a nutshell Briefly tell us the spookiest story you've ever read out on your show. Um, and if you can remember what episode it was, so our listeners can uh, tune in to uh, to listen more. So I've thought about this and I'm, I'm not going to go for the spookiest story that I've told on the podcast uh, because I'm just difficult and I like to be like to do things differently. Um, my favourite, and it is kind of my all-time favourite story that I've ever told, is uh, the story of Jeff the Mongoose. Do you guys know that story? No, I'm intrigued though. I've not heard that story. So Jeff the Mongoose is, uh, I'm trying to find what episode number it is and I can't. I can't, I, I gave it some sort of... Um, clever name of for the episode at the time and now I can't remember but Jeff the Mongoose is a story that is all about a talking mongoose and it's honestly one of the best stories ever and it's just been made into a film uh, with Simon Pegg and I just can't wait to see it it's going to be amazing but it was a yeah episode 79 episode 79 you got it is did I call it the Dolby Spook or Jeff the Mongoose I don't remember which one I did Jeff the Talking oh, Mongoose. I changed the name. I'm very clever. But it's Jeff with a yeah, G. G-E-F. And one F. Yeah, you gotta... He, uh, uh, Jeff apparently came for, came to the Isle of Man from India on a boat and he um, described himself. So Jeff was obviously a, a talking mongoose, as the title would suggest. And he lived in the walls of this family's house and he described himself as like a wonder of the world and he was like I am terrible I am wonderful I have all these special powers and literally all of these big psychic investigators like Harry Price came and to investigate this and Nandor Fodor came to investigate and they were like this is real this is really happening and everyone for a time believed that there really was a talking mongoose living in the walls of this family's house it's incredible it's such a great story Oh, gonna have to listen to that episode. So you say Simon Pegg is making a film on this story? Yeah. So Simon Pegg is playing one of the paranormal investigators who goes to the Isle of Man to investigate the story. And what everyone sort of brushed over at the time is that all of it focused on there was like a, a teenage girl living in the house called Voiry, and the Jeff the Mongoose was obsessed with her and followed her around, etc., etc. But then afterwards, you know, people who were her contemporaries were like, yeah, she was she was really good at ventriloquism. Like she used to do it all the time in school. But all of the investigators were like, just just ignored that. They just completely brushed over that. And they were like, do you know what this is? Definitely a talking mongoose. That's what this is. And there's there's these like there's photographic evidence of him. And the photographic evidence is incredible. It's just such a great story. And I loved it. I love every bit of it and I would tell that story to everybody for the rest of my life. I just love it. So there it is. Episode 79 of Real Life Ghost Stories, Jeff the Mongoose. I can't wait to listen to that one. I mean, it's definitely not scary. So let's just put that out there. So don't don't, don't get disappointed when you listen to it and you're like, hang on, I was expecting something horrific. I don't know how <laughs> horrific a talking mongoose could conceivably be, to be honest. That's good. I'm really excited to see the uh, the film adaptation of Jeff the Mongoose. Uh, I really love Simon Pegg films. I think there's yeah. maybe one or two that I thought haven't really hit the mark, but the rest have just been amazing. So, and uh, I think in this kind of paranormal field, and it's obviously, obviously, it's going to be a comedy. So, I think it's going to be good. Um, um I've got a question for you guys. Sorry, oh, I keep asking it. you questions. Do you guys have a story? Because I've only just started listening to your podcast, so I haven't listened to them all. Do you guys have a story that has 
like captured you or really freaked you out? Or did you have a story that ha- that hasn't been on the podcast that has really freaked you out? Yeah, we're, we're, we've both got stories. So if you listen to our first ever episode, it's called Host Stories. Do you see what we did there? Um, yeah, that's got pretty much both of our entire lifelong, um, you know, collection of ghost stories or experiences that have happened to us. But for me, uh, one of the most weirdest, the weirdest one I think has happened to me. I've had, I've seen things when I was younger, not so much in recent years, but, um, this is something that was just was kind of audible that happens to me and, I say, I say it in detail in, in the first episode of our podcast, but just to kind of sum it up. So I was sitting in my room one day. I was living at my mum's. This was probably about six years ago, or maybe a little bit more. And um, she, her ex-husband was there at the time. Um, so they were together, sorry, at the time. And me and him didn't really get on, see eye to eye. And one day, I was, I, so I spent a lot of time upstairs alone in my bedroom, and um, one day I was just sitting there in my in my room, working on my laptop, and clear as a day, I had three knocks on my door, saying, and I heard his voice, Jamie, come downstairs now, and I, straight away, you know, I'm an adult, and it was really out of place for him to talk to me like that, and you know, I was just like, what, what the fuck, and I, I said, why? like really bluntly because I was like that was rude for you to talk to me like that so I was like what what what's the problem um there was just no answer and it's a really small three-bedroom house and you know you can the the doors are all next to each other and there's just a tiny landing and you'd you could just you'd know if some my door was shut but you'd know if someone was there and I heard nothing heard no noise and I said yeah you know what is it what what do you want again just complete silence no answer I was just, didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, that's really weird. So I just went downstairs and my mum was in the same room. And I just said, what What does, you know, your your partner want? What's his problem? And um, she was like, oh, he's outside. I said, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, well, fair enough. You must not have heard him come up the stairs, but I'll go, go outside. Went outside and um, knocked on his shed. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, what is it you want? And he said, what do you mean? I said, you literally knocked on my door, said, Jamie, come downstairs now, you know, in like an angry tone. And now I'm here and you're telling me, you know, you're like, what's going on? I was just so confused. And he was like, honestly, it was like, I wasn't inside. I've been here the whole time. And I was just, to this day, I'm just like, but so many things have happened in that house. Uh, that's just one of many. Um, my mum still lives there, actually. And she claims it's not haunted, but me and my siblings uh, definitely know something's up. <laughs> what is it about mams, right? So my mom used to work in this house that was definitely haunted. And she'd be like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. She, I just went into the sitting room the other day and all the pictures were upside down. But <laughs> yeah. like, crap. it was I the wind. And, yeah. And I'm like, can you just just admit that it's haunted yeah. and, and let's get on with it? Like, <laughs> I think what it is, I think I've kind of got this out of my mom before, is it's, I think it's a protection thing. They don't want as a mother they don't want us to be scared or they kind of want to protect yeah. us from you know if if something spooky is happening i think that's what it is but yeah my mum has been like that my whole life and we, we before even that we lived in a really haunted house well again me and two of my sisters claim and um but no 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 it wasn't haunted at all <laughs> and she she even saw a ghost in that house but it wasn't haunted <laughs> i'll tell your story now. my story okay um I've got quite a few. Um, I mean, one of the major ones, uh, again, like most of the people on our podcast, they hear me talk about this, this one over and over again, but it was the most terrifying um, thing I ever sort of like experienced I had. But it's weird because it, I wasn't terrified at the time. I was terrified exactly straight, um, straight away after. And um it's what it happened with one of my friends as well and uh, so i've got him as a as a future guest coming up on the show but um how it happened was uh we were just messing around um not messing around we were messing around in a graveyard but before that we went to the pub and was having a few drinks and then we were talking about um 
Can you just clarify what messing around in a graveyard is? For some people, <laughs> that might mean something strange. Basically, walking through a graveyard, saying, "Is it? Is there anyone there? Is there any spirits there?" And I kid you not, if if someone was just walking their dog or something and shouted, "It's Dave," I would have probably cacked it right there and then and gone right up, you know, <laughs> fully. <laughs> but yeah, go go back to the start. Um, yeah, me and my friend Jack was was at the pub having a catch up. Um, drink and we're talking all about all manner of things and we got onto the subject of um i can't remember what it was called on tv but it was something like um i don't think it's called most haunted but it was um it was those tv shows where those people uh like the presenters would go out to um a location i think it was uh, derica horror was one a medium or something on it oh yeah it was, was it you case yeah. yes and it was just having a laugh and saying how oh, it was so fake and this uh, and whatnot and really sort of like you know taking the piss and one of us was like oh let's let's go to the graveyard because it's literally a minute walk so oh, we go to the graveyard do a bit of ghost hunting not really know what we're doing going to this graveyard and just sort of like walking around because it's completely pitch black and uh, any, any ghosts there or nothing like we're just laughing and then across the road is uh, a really old uh jailhouse which they was built in like um victorian times to lock up like local drunks so we walked over to that and um again this must have been about eight o'clock at night there's no one around uh it was in autumn so it was like quite dark and we, we were standing at the, the front of this building there's no windows it's just a door with uh iron bars across the top so you if you shone a light in there you could only see into one room and you could see the opening of the second room but you, you couldn't see much in there so Jack goes, oh, I've got, I've got a really good idea. He's like, if I stick the voice recorder on my phone, you can talk to the spirits. And so we were just like laughing, like proper laughing about it. And then once we we regained our sort of like composure, he put his phone up against the um, into the bars, put it on record. And I said, if there's any if there's any ghosts or any spirits there, knock twice for yes and once for no. And we just stood there for a um, couple of seconds. And then he he stopped it, stopped the recording. And we were just laughing because how stupid it sounded. And um, while still standing next to uh, the jailhouse, we had a few streetlights, which were like giving this eerie orange glow. And it was a bit misty as well. So he played back this recording. And I have actually got the recording. So I could send it to you if you want to listen to it. But um, it start, as soon as he plays it back, there's all this banging, like knock, 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 knock. And at the beginning of the recording, I can hear a voice say, go away. And at the end of it, there's this, as if someone's come right up to his phone and gone, and it, he just goes, what the fuck? And then like he screamed and took off running. And then that scared the shit out of me. So I'm like running after him and he's ran to the nearest lamppost because there's a little bit of light there. So I've caught up with him. And he's like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? And then, um, we ended up going to my house and I got the recording off of his um, off of his phone and put it on the computer and like sort of like put the volume up. And that's when you could clearly hear sort of like saying, something saying, go away. Um, but yeah, that was absolutely freaky because this old building, it's, uh, it's locked to the public. No one can get in or out of it unless you uh, have got the keys, like a councillor or the council would have the keys. So it couldn't have been someone trying to play a prank on us because... There was no one in there. There was no one around. But what the weirdest thing was, we didn't hear anything standing there in front of the door. It was only when he played back his phone that we heard it. It absolutely terrified us. That was one of the most sort of like surreal things. Like I had a bit of evidence to say like, no, that actually happened because we both experienced it and we have a bit of evidence. Someone could say, oh, we faked it, but we both know that at the time we was only like 19 none of us had the skills or the know-how to sort of like fake it to make a recording and stuff but um yeah that was so that was quite terrifying from for me and my mate jack that has that gave me the heebie-jeebies <laughs> evps evps are always so scary and you know sometimes you hear in, somebody does an evp on a ghost on a show or whatever and you're like that is nothing you are that's nothing it doesn't say anything and then every so often there's one that makes you go, oh, shit. Oh, no, that did sound like something. 
I've got one as well from the same house, e, uh, EVP, as as a, just a voice. I'm, I was winding my sister up one day, and I was just I wasn't I was just filming her trying to get her phone back because I just I was just being an annoying big brother, and I snatched my phone out of her. I snatched her phone out of her hand while she was texting. I just filmed her trying to get it back, just being really annoying, and. Um, halfway through I just stopped it gave it back to her I was like oh let's just watch it after about 30 seconds and we watched it and just out of nowhere in the middle of this recording there's just a voice that sounds like an old lady that goes what are you doing and like yeah like I've I've actually put this on the podcast yet but maybe in one of the future episodes I'll uh I've still got the video so I'll I'll extract the audio and put it on it's so weird yeah when you show me that um and at first, I I didn't quite. I it, de- it does sound like there's someone else in the room with you, mm. and it was just like, that's so creepy. That then, is so weird. And then just to round it off, so you asked about our stories. This isn't. It's we won't tell the whole story, but just uh, me and Nigel actually had an experience together. Um, so we were deep cave diving somewhere in Gloucestershire. I think it was. Was it Gloucestershire? And yes, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were deep in this case. We told the whole story again, episode one, so we won't go into it. But as basically we're in a in a small tour and there's about maybe max six, eight people on this tour and four of us were friends and the tour guide and a couple of other people. And we basically go into this cave and he locks the cave behind us. So padlocks it. There's a metal gate, padlocks it. I think so like... So we can't, we can't escape. Yeah, it's, so so people can't come in and fuck with us, you know, while we're in this cave or, or you know that local people can't come and take drugs down there or whatever you know whatever and um we were down there and we walked miles into this cave and Nigel was bum stuck and um <laughs> and then on the on the walk back so we're coming the same route and just in the middle of the path there was a rock formation like a perfect rock formation which wasn't there on the walk forward we're all in a small, tidy group locked in this cave where no one can get in or out. And um, walking one, like, yeah, walking single file, basically. And just, just, so. just before that happened, we we were having a conversation with the tour guide, and we said, oh, "Has there been any ghost stories or anything down here?" And he was telling us essentially quite a famous story. Clearwell Caves, but I, I don't... Clearwell Caves. See, if you, if you Google the old man in Clearwell Caves, it's a really well documented story of like a a TV crew that went down there basically saw an old man but uh yeah that's a really cool story we didn't see no old man but together we saw this just weird perfect rock formation that was about waist height that wasn't there when we walked in just after we'd asked the guy about ghost stories (laughs) and it was and it was a load of stones that were stacked from like um like large getting smaller and smaller to like balance rock balancing um, that's what it is yeah yeah rock balancing yeah and it was there was no time for anyone in the group to have set that up so it wasn't there on the way in but on the way out way out it was there and it was just so sort of like weird we got this vibe that even the tour guide was a bit like he didn't really want to talk about it It was just a bit like kind of like we were like what's what's that about and he's like i I don't know kind of went a bit quiet (laughs) we're like oh. this way yeah this way let's go like we're near the exit he's just went a bit I'm quiet sure, to the gift shop like i'm sure he was thinking listen i've seen the blair witch too okay and i have mm. to work here so we're not getting into this mm. <laughs> but yeah that uh that that rounds up some of our some of our stories so um emma what a pleasure this has been it's been really really amazing talking to you we don't want to take up too much of your time we know you're super busy working on your awesome podcast so um can you tell our listeners where they can find your show? So you can find my show. It's called Real Life Ghost Stories. And you can find it everywhere that you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Um, yeah, that's that's basically it. And I'm I'm going to be really annoying and I'm going to hijack the last bit of it as well. Um, because I know that you asked for a, a genuinely spooky episode of the podcast. So I'm going to give you one because I've given you Jeff the Mongoose, which is... Um, genuinely the best story ever and nothing can ever top it in my eyes but that's just me um but episode 195 of the podcast is called the boy they tried to hide and i honestly have never come across a story like it so to give you a very brief you give your listeners a very brief synopsis of the story 
It's um, a true story that is in the West of Ireland and it was written by a social worker who was working in a school with kids and this little kid kept running away and his ma was like, he keeps running away. I don't know why it's happening. And the social worker was like, shit, well, children run away if something's really bad at home or they're running away to somebody. So they were like, where is he going? This little kid is running away out into the woods all the time and they can't figure out why he's doing it. And then eventually he's like, what? No, I've just I've just made a new friend out there. That's all it is. And they establish that there is no friend and they think, right, well, he is an imaginary friend. Fine. And then he goes missing again. And this time the police get called because it's the middle of the night. Everyone's freaking out. They can't find him. And they have they talk to the police and they're like, listen, he has this imaginary friend. This has been going on for ages. And uh, then the police say, well, why are there two sets of footprints outside the window then if this friend is imaginary? And there's two sets of footprints. And honestly, the story is wild. And it involves like a, a secret that's that kind of in the whole town that everyone knows about and something that happened in the woods. And it like, it blew my mind. And eventually I got the author to come on the podcast because I was so like, I need to, I need to, this, this cannot be real. And I need to speak to you about it. And I spoke to him on the podcast and honestly, I didn't get a I didn't get a sense that he had made any of the story up. He was like, I can't tell you what happened, but like I don't know what it was, but this is what happened. So if you're into like freaky imaginary friendship and like weird stuff that happens in backwoods and small towns and the and what what gets left behind, then that story is is a good place to start. That sounds crazy. And yeah, I can't wait to to get into this story. So it's episode 195. Has it got the guy on it? The guy uh, that... No. So the episode is 195, the boy they tried to hide. Mm-hmm. And then it's the the episode with him on it is a couple of episodes later. And it's called Bonus Episode with Shane Dunphy. And he is, well, he's not anymore, but he's an ex-social worker. And now he's like an expert. He consults with like the police and the government all about like uh, child protection cases and stuff. And this guy is out here being like this crazy paranormal story happened and i just need to put it out there and it is it's i don't know it freaked me out and i just i just couldn't believe that something like that could happen but apparently it did Uh, that is um that's so uh, scary definitely got a lot to listen to tonight before i go to bed (laughs) (laughs) jeff the mongoose is good bedtime listening the boy they tried to hide maybe not (laughs) The boy they tried to hide is when you've got like, loads of people around you and you're you don't you know you're not gonna be alone that <laughs> yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you can like watch some cartoons afterwards or something. Your ghost stories. Your ghost stories. Emma, what an honor and what a privilege it's been to have you on our show. We really look up to you uh, as brand new podcasters. So it really is a great privilege to to have you join us on this show. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for being on. Oh, and thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved it. You guys are great. Thank you. Beep.